Hey everyone, I'm Andrew, and you're listening to Small Efforts, a collaboration between Crit and Miss Grants. And hi, I'm Sean. Small Efforts is a show where we talk about cybersecurity, design, and the continuous small efforts it takes to build a business. How's your week going? I feel like being a business owner is constantly just managing the upswings and the downswings. I've been working with my therapist on mantras, which I always thought of as kind of corny, but they've actually been really helpful. And one of the mantras that I've been focused on this week is put in the reps, which it's kind of like a sport metaphor for me. It's like me thinking about like, okay, if you're going to get good at a thing, you've just, you've got to put in the practice, got to put in the reps. And part of it, like it could very easily sway into like gross hustle culture. I'm a distracted person. I struggle with ADHD. I struggle to like just get focused. And so part of it is like a reminder to myself that like, hey, if you want good things, you got to put in some work. So you got to every now and then just sit down and, and do the work. Um, but the other part of it to me that I've been thinking about lately is just like permission to fail in a way too, because it's like a reminder that everything I'm doing is is practice. Everything I'm doing is reps. It's getting experience. And it's a reminder to like zoom out and not focus too much on the hard thing that's facing me right now and why it's hard and more look at like the journey and how this is just one step along the journey. Um, and even beyond like practice, this is kind of, this is something I'm thinking about and trying to like work out in my head. Like it's not even necessarily that it's practice reps. Like there's game reps too, right? Like there's live reps that matter. You don't get good at a sport by just practicing. You get good at a sport by practicing and then putting it all on the line and playing in a real game with real stakes. Um, and you've got to play in enough of those games to get that, you get a different sort of practice in that. And so it's, yeah, I've, I'm reminding myself that like everything we deal with sort of day to day is, is, you know, experience input. It's like one step along the journey and it's just, you know, it's another rep to get us where we want to go. Um, industriousness 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 talk about that i'll have mary link this but john wooden has this thing called the pyramid of success where the bottom is industriousness friendship loyalty cooperation enthusiasm they kind of goes all the way up to competitive greatness but just as you were kind of saying that this idea of like putting in the reps and then also getting game reps in reminded me of of the pyramid of success so i've been reading this book traction there are two really useful books called Traction. One is about the bullseye framework and it's like a marketing book that teaches startup founders how to market things. And it's basically like a MVP lean startup style approach to marketing where you, you know, place multiple bets and you run tests and you see what's working and then you focus on something for a while. The Traction I'm reading now is all about building like strong business systems and specifically it's about the entrepreneurial operating system, EOS. And EOS is kind of a generic, doesn't care what type of business you run, just approach to building a business. And you know, the core tenants are you you create a leadership team. I have to read that book. I really have to read that book. This entire morning I was thinking about <laughs> about this and I didn't realize that the answer was right in front of me or was in front of you a week ago when you told me about it. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, 
there's some stuff that you need to do for yourself. We really don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Like the idea behind the entrepreneurial operating system is just that like you need a clear system and it doesn't really matter what that system is. Like there are different systems that work for different companies, but the key thing is to have a common language that you can share with your employees so that you all like have the same things to talk about. But essentially it's a set of, of terminology and a set of processes that you can use to kind of get on the same page if you just take the vision component. Vision means a lot of things to a lot of different people and a lot of companies approach defining their vision in a different way. Some people just don't ever <laughs> define it. <laughs> and so traction and the entrepreneurial operating system is just like, hey, this is this is one way to define your vision. Do this all the time. Um, and then you know, here's kind of the the things you need to update on a regular basis. And here's how to think about hiring. And I've just started reading this. I'm only about a third of the way in, but I've, I've heard it recommended multiple times. And um, the agency owner group that I'm in, there's an entire channel in the in their Slack devoted, devoted to EOS. Um, and they're like professional EOS implementers and all this stuff. And um, so, yeah, I'm trying to read it with the hope that it could help us just like clarify some things. And and stop having to reinvent the wheel and more just be like, okay, here's here's a system we can take and we can adopt and then we can make our own. Nice. Can you read those back to me again? You said the vision. So the like six components of the entrepreneurial operating system are vision. Do they see what you are saying? People, surround yourself with good people. Data, so how to create simple scorecards and measurables that you can use to to you know get a, a clear sense of how your business is doing issues how to identify and, and solve issues process documenting your core processes finding your way and then traction so there's a couple of like you know a couple of components that they use to just like make sure that you're making progress and getting stuff done and that's that's the traction piece which one are you most focused on right now or also which one do you feel like you don't do well enough ooh good question so they have like sort of a, a self assessment thing oh no um, <laughs> <laughs> i'll just score 0 on every single one <laughs> no i'm fairly certain that vision and data are the two like we don't look at data we don't collect data we don't really use data um so i think vision and data are kind of the two key key ones where we probably need the most focus we've done a lot of work lately on process um and um you know we i think we have pretty pretty great people but what about traction yeah, I think I I think this one is a little bit of a what's the word here? It depends on timing. Like I think we certainly go through periods where we have more trouble just getting shit done. And then we have periods where we're really productive and we kind of we're pushing in the right direction. Um and we're, you know, not getting caught up in analysis paralysis or whatever. So I think this one that one varies for us a little bit. Um, what about you? It, just hearing those, not having not, not having read yeah, it yet, yeah. but which ones jump out to you? I think, so So really quick, I have to say that's not what I thought traction meant when I looked at the book um, or, or when I heard about the book. 
I thought traction was more about traction within like or 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 like where your your business picks up traction right you you make movements forward from like a sales and mark and and customer perspective i thought it was more about like internal momentum of like getting shit done i think it's a little of both right like the 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 book is called traction the overall system is the entrepreneurial operating system. Traction is one component of that. But the book is called Traction because the idea is that by having a unified system, you can start pushing in the same direction and you know eliminate the little hiccups that, that just take up a lot of time and resources. Um, and so then you start working towards making progress faster. Um, again, caveat, <laughs> caveat all this with I've only read the first three chapters so um, i haven't actually gotten to the traction chapter so i may have just been describing it wrong well to be honest looking at these i'm sure we can improve in all of these areas um you know i think vision and people are definitely more our strong suit in some areas i think that we've been very fortunate to hire very good creatives but all morning i've been thinking like where do you find like just really good operators like business sorts of operators right like my entire job right now is to build this system but it'd be real damn it'd be really nice to have someone else to help um and i don't know where to find those people because those people tend to go ahead and run their own businesses um, do you think you need a co-founder or a partner i think i i think i'm looking for one I think I'm trying to find someone. Um, yeah, I don't know what that looks like. Or, you know, I, I think that I just want someone to be super pumped, man. Sorry, sorry. I'm going to be quoting that entire show all week. I don't think that I need a co-founder. I think I need a partner. I th- well, okay. I think those are not that different. And, and I think a partner, you know, so yes. Yes to both of those things. Yeah, I think that we're, we've grown a lot. We've been growing a lot, but I'm definitely starting to hit my capacity of things I can get done in a day. Like I'm hitting that limit and which is fine because I can like sustain that limit for a little bit longer and it's it's pushing us forward. If I'm doing this for the next few months, I probably am just, I think I will burn out so much that I will just never want to touch it again. I don't necessarily know if it's like having one specific person who's a co-founder as much as, you know, finding the people to delegate work to. I think that I've gotten very good at delegating the creative te- like technician work. I think now it's finding folks who are really solid manager types. And that's been the difficult part, right? Because there's so many types of managers, I-, I guess, in my head, right? Or sorry, so many different types of like manager types, right? I think there's talented account managers out there. I also think that there's talented project managers slash traffic managers out there or also just overall like people managers or whatnot. I'm struggling to find folks in my network that have a lot of management experience that don't work for, you know, much larger companies, free agents that think in business systems and think in like, like even like a chief of staff capacity or a COO sort of capacity. Um, But it'd be damn nice to have someone like that. Do you think it's time to go outside of your network? 
Absolutely. hundred percent. I just, you know, I know that on deck has a really good job board for those sorts of people. This was going to be my other question, right? I also don't know how to like hire for a good one. Like I can talk to a designer, look at their portfolio and go, okay, I think I know where they fit into the company. I don't know what to do with a resume. Like you tell, you giving me your resume doesn't tell me anything about whether or not you are like the sort of operator that I need, right? Or, or if this is even going to be a good fit for you, like you might be super talented and it's just not the right mix. So two thoughts. One, you should, you should join the Bureau of Digital because everyone in there is like an operator. Um, and a lot of them are, are agency owners who aren't going to leave their agency. But there, one, there are some freelance project managers who hang out in there. Um, and two, you know, there are a number of people in there who are like COOs and stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, just starting to expand that network and like grow your network into like other operator type people at other agencies, I think would be really valuable. Um, and it's almost all like marketing and creative agencies. So which one are you in? Are you in connect lead or partner individual membership, team membership, or team membership preferred partner directory listing? I just did the individual membership to start with. Yeah. Connect. Um, yeah. Cause, uh, yeah, we just didn't feel like it really made sense to do the, the team yet. Our mm -hmm. team is two or three people. Like the Fair team enough. that would be become bureau members is like two or three people. Fair enough. Fair so, enough. Um, cool. And that's also, I think one of the things I'm hoping to learn from Traction is just right. like, how do you build a leadership team? And like, how do you set them up and enable them to do yeah. all of the operations things that need to, need to happen? Um, I, I think that's exactly what's on my mind. Yeah. These I, the past few days. We should, yeah, yeah we will, we'll, we'll do a book club. <laughs> we'll, uh, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> you read it. I'll, I'll try to read a little bit more and then we'll discuss next time. One piece of advice would maybe be to join the Bureau of Digital. If he has time, reach out to Andrew at Gray Noise. Um, cause I know Vishal has done wonders for them and has like taken over like finance and taken over hiring and fundraising and so much and has like really become, I think that sort of chief of staff, like, uh, operations person for them. I know they went through a headhunter of some sort. I think Fishal had experience at like a big, one of the big consulting companies. I'm not sure. I hear management consultants make for great chief of staffs actually because of exposure to so many different types of, you know, companies and giving advice on how to operate. And, and from my friends who have gone that route, you also just have to put up with a bunch of shit. <laughs> and that's yeah. sometimes what being a chief of staff yeah. operator <laughs> yeah. is, is just like being willing to put up with shit and figure stuff out. And um, yeah, yeah. I actually, I had a friend who he and I were talking um, loosely about him doing some work for us at some point this year uh, as um, in that role. He, he worked at EY for a while. And, um, but now he, uh, has started an agency with his dad or joined the agency, the consulting company that his dad started. Um, and so he's working on the family business instead. I'm like, shit, I probably should have jumped on that when I had the chance. <laughs> I think I know how to find my people then. <laughs> I think I'm going to go, you want to hear my strategy? Yeah. Yeah. Tell okay. me. I, th I think I'm going to go stand outside the McKinsey office in New York, wherever they put the consultants and, Every single time I see one, I'm just going to say, hey, do you not want to return to office anymore? Because you can, <laughs> you can take a pay cut and go work in this <laughs> <experience. laughs> 
yeah, by the way, that, work, uh-huh. I feel like this is exactly what McKinsey wants you to think that like that all of their consultants make great COOs because then sure. that just enables like recruiting for them and enables sure. like them to charge buckets of money because they're like, oh, these people could all be COOs somewhere else, but they're yeah. here at McKinsey. Yeah. I always think about because I have a friend, okay, I have a friend who's going who's a consultant, um, not at McKinsey, at, at another company, and there's a whole training process, right? And then I think about like, yeah, I, I guess most of these graduates that go to McKinsey, like, they don't know how to do most of these things, but that means like McKinsey's training program is probably really fucking good. I've never seen like what the, the final presentation looks like, but. I think that they are a good example of a company that has built up a very good EOS, right? Yeah, I think you they, seem doubtful. They probably, so. Well, well, yeah. EOS yeah. is like a specific type of of operating system, right? Like I'm sure they I have see. their own version of EOS, their own McKinsey operating okay. system, kind of. Right, right. That's why why my face looked like that. The running joke is that they get paid lots and lots of money to you know offer advice and not actually do anything, but you don't get to be a massive company without having defined some processes and figured out some piece of this. Now, I also think they exploit the hell out of people and drive people into the ground and yeah, create toxic cultures. But, but yeah, it's probably a little bit of a, a proving ground. If you get through it, you come out with some skills. You might also come out with like some PTSD, (laughs) but I mean, genuinely, sure. how many how many friends do you know who went the consulting route and didn't eventually burn out? I have I have one friend at a much smaller consultancy, and he's very relaxed. Actually, um, um, it's the joke is that it's like a software engineer retirement home. Almost, it's not a management consulting company, right? It's a it's a software consulting, much more relaxed sort of thing. But um of the mckinsey folks which is very few and far between that i know i hear it's tiring i hear it's great for a very certain type of person who's you know a glutton for punishment and will work themselves to 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 that stage but yeah i've uh, while you were saying that i've coined the the miscreants operating system in my head where it's 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 the miscreants services design operating system or MS DOS. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was trying to figure out what it spelled, but I was I was going to. Uh-huh. My brain just wasn't working fast enough. I was like, M S, and you were like, it's MS DOS, and I was like, oh, that's funny. It's yeah, funny. Thanks. Well done. Well played. Thanks. 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 Well played. Thanks. I like it. <laughs> thanks. That's um, cool. So you're reading this. You're reading this book. You said you were about a third of the way through, right? So. Mm-hmm. That's covered which parts primarily? I, I said I'm about, it looks like I'm about a third. Honestly, not that much. Like, okay. I, I guess the, the vision section is pretty long or the intro is long. I'm not sure which. Got it. Um, let's see. Got it. And, and uh, also to answer your question. The book is 250 pages and I'm 75 pages through. So yeah, gotcha. I'm about uh, maybe do only math. a quarter. Maybe that's a quarter. Yeah, we don't we don't do public math on this. On this, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's like between a quarter and a third. Yeah, twenty nine percent. Nice. To answer your question, I think we're actually starting to get somewhere because we're running this project right now for a marketing campaign. What should take a month, month and a half, but 
I think that these processes that we're doing are so honed in that we're getting them done in all in the span of a single week um, with without anyone like working overtime too, which is mind blowing and without me doing any IC work. So I'm actually very happy with where we are, but it's only like this specific campaign. <laughs> so we're refining a lot of other processes. You said you're looking for someone on kind of the operations side. What do you think that that title is going to be? I think it's not even about finding a single co-founder or a partner. It's going back to like, how do I build a leadership team? And how do I fill in those roles of, I'll read the book, I'll join Bureau of Digital, I'll just sell me on everything. I think it's how to build a leadership team. You know, I think that CEO, like some sort of COO type role is would be really helpful or even some sort of like CFO type role would be really helpful right now where... Uh, you know, to be frank, a, lo- a lot of those things that we've done have been based on like gut instinct um, because like we collect the data, we just don't do anything with it anywhere. Like it's all in ClickUp, you know, our time estimates, our time tracking now and everything is all in there. I It doesn't mean anything because we don't look at insights. I have found is someone I think who would make an amazing, I'm going to say head of people, but I don't know if it's the right term going back to like building a leadership team, I think that the first responsibility that I have is really to figure out like actual atomic responsibilities of what this role does slash goals that this role has. Like, I think it's like general responsibilities and then like goals I need them to achieve, right? She hasn't joined us just yet. You know, I think we're, she and I are crafting that together right now, but I think she would make a tremendous in-house counselor in some parts which i think would be really helpful for the team the thing that i do not know is if we were bringing someone like that on way too early i don't know if it's that because i want miss greens to be so much larger of a company that i'm acting as if i should have these things that much larger companies do um but my bet is that actually ahead of people has tremendous benefit if hired much earlier that's super interesting i would say one way to kind of ease that concern is if this person can be more than one thing to start with, because like that's the nature of small businesses, right? You have to wear multiple hats. And so if this person can be, you know, ahead of people, I think of doing sort of employee onboarding, employee retention, um, hiring, recruit, overseeing hiring and recruiting, which is tremendously important. I hate saying our people are our product because that seems like a gross way to look at human beings, but but like our people are why we have a business, right? Like they're they're the only way we earn income as an agency. I think making sure that you're you have someone focused on those people is not a bad idea. My question would just be, is there enough purely like onboarding, recruiting, and all of that to do right now? Or and like sort of HR and and all of that? Um, or could this person also be helping out with like operations stuff of some sort? I don't know if this person has I mean, maybe I, I'm not actually, we, I haven't thought about it that way, to be honest. Um, yeah. I, uh, I don't know if, if there's a full-time amount of work. I think that she is willing to kind of help us on a part-time basis as mm. we ramp those yeah, things up. Yeah, that's a so, good solution too. So yeah that, yeah, that then is another way to solve that. Cool. I was, I just immediately jumped to full-time, but part-time makes a ton of sense. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um. We're trying to hire right now for a technical account manager. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Probably it's it's something we've been like 
sort of trying to do for like a year and now we're getting serious about it so we're actually about to start promoting our job post um we have gotten six applicants in the last year just random people stumbling across our website which is kind of cool someone applied this week who has almost the exact skill set that i have said i was looking for which is like i want someone who has a background in like sales or marketing or something like that and then went through a career change and became an engineer but maybe is realizing that they don't love coding all day that they want to be interacting with people and working with people and but has you know a has at least a junior developer level of skills so that they can talk um the talk they can you know understand what their developers are struggling with and understand what the client is asking for and be able to advise the client and help the client think through scope changes and think through feature requests and to the point that i just made of like people wearing multiple hats like this person is going to need to be both a strategist and an account manager um, for us for right now long term i want to separate those two roles but for now i see this person being a hybrid account manager and strategist and so i need someone who understands the technical side of things the the other background that would be awesome to find is a product manager someone who has some product management background but i i don't know how realistic that is especially for the salary we're offering we're thinking 95k a year to start um um right now we're not thinking commission because i I'm really reluctant to like build a commission system because I'm nervous that it could incentivize the wrong things. Um, but because this is our first hire, we probably will be more flexible on compensation than we usually are. And we'll probably like ask for feedback from everybody who we talk to. And like, if it seems like commission is going to be an important part of like finding the right person and, and creating the right system, then um, I think I would be open to commission. I don't necessarily think it incentivizes the wrong thing, actually. You know, I, there's a lot of value in account managers being really focused on retention. And I think that a good account manager does make that difference. That being said, I don't know how to quantify what a good account manager. I wonder if someone will listen to this podcast and apply, or rather someone who's applying will find this podcast and listen to it. Because... I think that would show an extra, I think that would almost be a sign of this person might be a really good account manager or director that they're willing to put in that effort. You should just on this podcast, just like, Hey, if you put mongoose in your resume, well, you know, let's get right <laughs> to the interview. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't uh -huh. really like doing the, like some of the tricks in the hiring process. I try to keep our hiring process pretty straightforward. I would love it if someone actually referenced the podcast in their application. Um, the person that, that I'm talking about who just applied like referenced like reading the things I post on LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, cool. So you were you were a technical account manager in the past. I think I have a pretty good idea of like roles and responsibilities. Maybe still need to get clear on some of those goals and like retention in particular being one of those goals. Retention and growth of like accounts. I wasn't I wasn't officially, by the way, just oh, okay. for the record. But I, I think I think my role became was partially that you know again startup lots of hats i, I think shared responsibilities but continue yeah would you question. have taken at that time a technical account manager position that didn't have commission or would you have like said hey i want i need commission 
in order for this to be worthwhile. Well, seeing how I was doing the work without commission for that, I guess, yes. For the record, I got commissioned for my work. It was just for net new business, not for renewals. But oh, okay. a lot of my work did, did then go into like customer success type of things after they signed on. So not that I was even long like there long enough to see the benefits of like renewal commission rate closing any project is not necessary like closing the wrong project can really hurt team morale and so i would be worried about incentivizing people to close something that was like not a good fit or to compromise on on price or something and and i mean i can always say i i have final approval of like contracts i can reject something but you know i don't want to promise commission and then like reject something that someone has put a lot of work into um, because I, or are you looking for a, a account manager or an account exec? I'm looking for an account manager. Okay. Cause so they're closing existing business. Account manager to me means three responsibilities. I will continue to source and qualify new leads. I will then hand off those leads eventually to an account manager. I would expect the account manager to close and run the discovery process. Um, then the account manager would manage the day-to-day of the account. So they would be leading meetings, talking through, you know, changes to the backlog, changes to scope, um, you know, trying to come up with new ideas for how we can, you know, help clients and like grow, grow client accounts and things like that. The final is like actually monitoring the health of the project and like growth. So like, you know, closing, monitoring the day-to-day and then growing growing accounts and my vision for it is that you know a new account manager who comes on will start with the day-to-day so they'll start by like taking that work off of bina our project manager so that she can focus on pure project management and be move into more of a behind the scenes role um and then that person will be the client advocate they'll be the person working with clients day-to-day and um then I would see them taking over growth of client accounts. So, you know, starting to take over retention and growth and then eventually move them into closing um, existing projects. Uh, And I'm not sure how fast any of that will happen, but um, I I see it being multiple stages, but eventually I see them doing um, some of all three with, with support from, from me. So do not speak for anyone else looking for, for, an opportunity or a job, I think that personally I would want commission for it because I think that the value of what I am doing is direct, like directly impacts business growth. And if I do a good job, I would want to be compensated for it, whether that was through profit share bonus or, or, you know, rev share, like a commission. I think you and I had actually had this conversation where I don't know if we were jokingly saying it or whatnot of this was before I'd started miscreants. You were like, Hey, do you want to be like, would you want to be a TAM at crit? I think I still probably would have asked for commission on something. Um, but, but I also think I would have asked for a slightly lower salary, to be honest. I just want to make sure if we do offer a commission that, yeah, it incentivizes the right things. And I want them to be focused on, you know, closing high value contracts, like the more margin to the contract, the better. And then the longer we can keep the client around and keep them happy, the better. And the happier the team is working on the project, the better. Like those are the three things that I care about. Like margin, team satisfaction, client satisfaction, and growth. But um, I think, aren't there, 
so this is this is this is why we haven't really kind of built out our sales team right because we haven't really productized our service as much as Oh, I, I actually, actually, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't say the crit as productized. Yeah, service, I would but. say our, our strategy offering, like, I would say we have a clear process and our strategy offering is relatively productized. Um, like our, our initial assessment consulting offering is relatively productized. We haven't built out a sales team really because we don't have the constraints that someone could sell with, right? There's no, there's no like... We're getting there right now. Now we've been structuring things almost as campaigns where like you want a feature campaign, you want a product launch campaign, et cetera, whatever. Um, and, and like those specific prices and, and deliverables and everything attached to it. I, I, but my question here is, you know, you're, you do product design and development. What is a potential case where someone is selling something that the team wouldn't be able to handle? Or It's not that the team is not able to handle it. It's honestly just like, is the client toxic? Like, is the client shitty to work with? Um, because we've had enough of those now. Like, I don't like to put the blame on the clients too much, but we've had enough clients where it's just like, it wasn't a good fit culturally. And I don't want to incentivize someone to close more of those deals. I want to incentivize someone to, you know, close the right kind of deals for our company. Um, and and hopefully, I mean, a, a good account manager, I think would look at it as, you know, that that sort of, cultural divide will make retention and growth a lot harder um and so would probably look at it as hey i it's worth passing on this because i mean it makes their job harder right like because because client toxicity is it's the account manager first not anyone else i would assume i don't know our team interacts with clients pretty regularly like we all of our team is client facing pretty much we don't we don't have like go betweens as much. Very rarely are do our creatives talk to clients. Um, almost almost ten percent of our accounts are like that, and those because that's because those ten are like integrated, like almost staff org sort of deals, which means that they have access to them whenever. But even then, most communication is still through me on those conversations my creatives know that we really care about the long-term partnership for our clients our partner our clients sometimes know that as well and sometimes the scope will just creep up and i'll just, you know i'll sync back up with a certain creative who might be even more like who might be you know senior and i thought would be fine but there's like yeah i agree to this extra things like okay that's fine but you know this would be a bad pattern to have um yeah yeah, yeah. I, I guess like when I think about an account manager, it's to continue that separation where the account manager's job is to be that, you know, inter interloper. Is that the in between? Yeah. Intermediary. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I just have never liked having too many buffers between people because I think it result it makes communication harder. It turns into a game of telephone and I just think like our designers like hearing directly from the source um and i think it makes their job a little bit harder if they're you know not hearing from the source personally but could be wrong i think my pushback there is there are some designers i let meet with clients uh, or not meet but like be in be in the slack and whatnot but what we found is that client critique is always not what they mean exactly like, like uh, 
there's always clarification that's needed, right? So skipping that that initial make it pop or this is like I don't like this uh, is helpful to just kind of to keep designer morale up. Not every one of my designers needs to feel like every single client we work with is is toxic, but yeah, which which means that it makes me a very busy because most of my job is is holding that shit umbrella up. It's something I thought about before, but again, just like my concern is uh, does communication break down if you start adding layers in between? And I think for the most part, you know, our designers kind of understand that you've got to read between the lines a little bit. I think what I'm hearing is, hey, maybe I should just give my designers like client training. Maybe. Again, if it works for you, the other advantage of having an intermediary is you do create some separation so that the client doesn't see you as staff hog. They don't see you as Michael or Jen. They see you as crit. They don't have to know who's doing the work behind the scenes. And But for us, it just hasn't ever felt like it jived with the way we want to work. Different agency models. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of models out there. They're all kind of the same, but different. Different, but same, same. Here's a question for you. Let's say blank slate. You, you know, crit dot com exists but it could be whatever whatever agency what's the service and what's the business model subscription based one man (laughs) it's tough because from like a what do i enjoy and what am i good at i think the reason i ended up here is because i i love thinking about products and i love talking about products and figuring out the challenges that come with product i think are really interesting so I think I ended up here because this was like what my skill set was and everything. If I, you know, if we're truly talking about a blank slate where like I don't have that skill set, I think it's a lot easier to sell like content marketing, SEO. Oh, okay. kind of. Uh-huh. My friend Nigel might tell me I'm an idiot and I'm wrong and I don't know what I'm talking about. But I think that there's more of an expectation of like a recurring revenue model and it's like easier to define a deliverable as like, 2,000 words, um, you know, two interviews, two rounds of revisions versus like a product design is like, do you define it by page? So I think, I think it's easier to separate your time from your, what you're charging. It's easier to get people on a recurring model because people always need content. They always need, um, need to be adding to their blog and improving their SEO. It's easier to like get strategic, I think. Um, to offer like strategy services and like separate yourself from doing the work um, to be more of like the person guiding the work. I think, and maybe again, grass is always greener, right? Um, so maybe it's it's not actually easier, but it, it seems like the industry expects those things and those things tend to lead to a more profitable business model. But I could be totally wrong on that. I would aim for recurring revenue. And I would also ideally aim to be to employ almost exclusively like account managers and strategists, either work with the client's team or outsource the, the like creation of content or the, the actual like implementation work and be like, you know, you pay us $5,000 a month to like build you a, a content marketing team and, um, and just manage that team. And like, I think probably not just for the reason, I think building a content, marketing agency and security is really hard because you've got to find people who are technical enough to be able to write security content. Um, and finding those people who are 
finding people who are technical, talented writers and just want to write, like that's all they want to do is, has got to be incredibly difficult. So I would probably aim for a def- different niche that was less technical. Um, although again, doing hard things is a good way to build a competitive like differentiator, like build a moat because other people don't want to do hard things either. <laughs> and so if you're willing to do the hard thing, then there might be more opportunity for you. Speaking of which, shout out to Luke from Hacker Content. We got to speak yeah. last week, actually. Um, we're we're co- collaborating on a client project for one of my clients because apparently it's very hard to find, exactly as you said, you know, engineers who can write and, and our client really wants to move away. She really wants to do like heavy technical offensive security defenses, you know, whatever sort of content and like well want to talk and yeah good guy yeah yeah you know. i i've mm-hmm. been really impressed with what he's building and would love to work with him for for crit at some point on like some of our social stuff but um yeah what about you so blank slate starting fresh um what uh what model what niche what service and definitely something with a fixed deliverable and I think we're getting there now. Not flicks, but like like a more defined deliverable, right? I really want to say smart contract auditing, <laughs> by the way. There's so much money. I think I'm officially on the fuck crypto train. Oh and, shit, uh, really? Okay. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna end up being wrong probably. And I'm gonna have to swing back and eat my eat my words in a few years when it's like somebody finally figures out how to make crypto useful and not just like destructive. That, that doesn't mean you can't be fuck crypto right now, you know. Ugh. It could, it could be like fuck crypto now and then crypto is great later. You contain multitudes. So you're you're building a smart contract auditing service? No, no, I won't build a smart contract auditing service. I think I would do something similar. I think I would have just, well, I, I, it's where miscreants is going, right? Where we've developed campaigns that like, a, co- a question we got really early on when we, you would do design work is what value does this, this does this design work bring and like is it attributable like is any of the success we have attributable attributable to our website for example for example um or or is it because of another marketing channel or anything so i think we would have started marketing strategy first but then had really great creative because that's kind of where we're going now is that we are like when we pitch, when we talk about things, we we're putting it, to, we're setting things up as here's the actual entire campaign, like, and and um, you know, working really working on like what is what is the expected ROI or results that come out of it, like what what does success mean here? Is it just way more impressions? Is it whatever? And being able to track our success that way. Whereas like in the past, like, what is a successful website design and development besides cool? You have a cool new website that that people like and are rave about right like it's one is feels a little bit more measurable and that is i think that's helped us close deals faster as well yeah i mean that's a constant challenge for us is like at the earlier stages so often like the the impact like it's pretty rare that we get a gray noise where it's like they have an existing clunky website and then we get to say hey 62% 62% increase in daily active users in the first 30 days. Like most of the time people aren't measuring anything when we, when they start working with us. Do we help them close their first couple of deals? 
do we help them just feel better about their product? Do we have help them have something that people start talking about? Um, and those things are all important and valuable and um, impactful, but they're hard to measure. Absolutely. I think that's, that's where we would have gone um, or, or, you know, something along the lines of what like refine labs is doing or um, I, th I think just now that I've seen the value of structure, you know, in retrospect, I would have applied that structure earlier on. And same thing as you, right? Like more, more strategists, more, yeah, more account manager types. It's funny because before I even started miscreants or when I was just starting miscreants, I think everyone told me <laughs> about these things. And I was like, no, I'm going to go find a team of designers. Um, you got to go through, get the lumps yourself. So we have a client right now who's in the Microsoft ecosystem. And the more I learn about that, it's wild. Like there's a lot of times where their entire service that they're doing for a client is paid for by Microsoft. And so it, it makes the sales process so much easier because it's like free money to the, to the client. It's like, and you know, the, it, the benefit that Microsoft gets is through their services, they end up helping the client upgrade to bigger and more expensive Microsoft product offerings. Um, and then Microsoft is just willing to spend a portion of the upgrade cost with the consultant to do, you know, strategy and then implementation and, and um, stuff like that stuff. always makes me realize how much bigger the world is, by the way. Yeah, right. Because the thought that it's not about enterprise Microsoft in terms of like, like Windows and everything. It's I was looking at all of the things they offer. And there's a lot of tools I've never heard of. Yeah. And it makes me think like, how and why, <laughs> you know, I think like hearing that always reminds me like how just giant the world is. One of the sales guys pay made for. a great point, which was like, we were talking to him as part of our discovery process. And he was saying, you know, as an IT provider, a security provider, whatever, in the Microsoft ecosystem, if you can align your offerings with the executive's comp packages you've got a winning formula because like the these executives are going to be pushing teams or they're going to be pushing you know a security offering or something and so if you just align like if you get really good at whatever the executives need to happen to make their massive bonus you can um, build a very profitable business which is wild the fact that like there's entire Yo. Uh -huh. That's how we think about selling to CMOs right now, by the way. That's that's similar. It's like um it's not it's not the CMO thing. It's like the level right underneath. We find whoever is there, we uh, hit them up on LinkedIn, you know, as you know, or they they are joining a different company or whatnot. And the thinking is like, how do we position ourselves so that we're always in their back pocket because we're what we do if we're successful gets them that pay rate or that that promotion. And that's, those are the opportunities we're trying to locate. I'm seven minutes over on it. Right. I, I got to um, run too. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Take Bye. care. <laughs> see ya. You just listened to Small Efforts, a podcast collaboration between Crit and Miscreants, hosted by Sean Sun and Andrew Askins. Sean is a hacker turned designer and the founder of Miscreants, a creative agency building memorable brand and product experiences for cybersecurity ventures. Andrew is an engineer turned CEO and the founder of Crit, a product design agency that helps cybersecurity founders create better products. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can check us out at smalleffortspodpod.com. Thanks for listening. See you next episode.